Welcome, affiliated listeners, to another, I think, really special episode of the Affiliated Podcast. And today, we are going to be talking with, I, I feel like, one of the more prolific marketers that we've had on the show, somebody that's seen marketing change over a long period of time at the highest levels and is doing some really exciting things with um, her new book, Tiny Thunder, which if you want to show really fast to the people, oh, yes. we'll talk more about this today. Show and yeah, show. So, um, Yes, we have the amazing Sue Rice, who has been working with one of the largest marketing agencies in the world, working with some of the biggest, best companies, creating marketing campaigns from TV to internet to pretty much any source of marketing you could think of. And today we're going to be talking more specifically about feelings, emotions, and stories, and how those could effectively be utilized in marketing to be what we we said a little bit earlier, to create a swipe free campaign that's not only going to be more effective than anything you're doing right now, but something that people can't just rip off and steal and expect the same results. So really, really excited. Without further ado, though, Sue Rice, so happy to have you, Sue. I know it's taken a long time. I just want those that are watching on YouTube to recognize the beautiful and amazing background of Sue's like idyllic kitchen in the French countryside, which is just so cool. <laughs> gives chills in my bones. But how are you doing this afternoon, this evening um, there in France? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this. It took us a while to get together here, but <laughs> it did, it did. But you know what? It, the timing is perfect now, and that's all that matters. So, um, well, before we kind of go into it that with Tiny Thunder, which you know, really from what I've read so far, I'll tell people I haven't finished the book, but read so far is amazing. The reviews I've seen have been fantastic, and all my prior conversations with Sue tell me that it is going to be amazing. I will also say for a business book. It's definitely, and this is not a surprise knowing you and your background, it's one of the better written books that I've read. Like it just, it just reads really nicely. I feel like I'm reading like, you know, a, a, a really fancy Pulitzer Prize winning fiction book in the way that it's written, even though we're talking about business. So really, really exciting stuff. But with Thank that you. too, what I'd love to do before we jump in and talk about the book and talk about some exciting things, if you could just tell the people a little bit you know, high level about your background, how did you get here today? Um, and kind of a little bit of like a, an abridged version um, of your, your marketing journey and career. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Um, so I started my, I started in the really traditional, I started on Madison Avenue at Ogilvy and Mather. And I then came over to um, France with, uh, to work with a four person team that was running BBDO Europe um, based in Paris. And eventually, which was an amazing experience, by the way, really amazing oh, experience. How I old were you when over, you moved over to Paris? I then? really, I was young. I was sort, I was sort of their token woman, if I could, if I could say. Um, and and it was in the nineties, and um, a lot was happening in Europe at that time because the wall had come down. In you know, and so oh, yeah. everything was opening up in Eastern Europe, and it was just a really fabulous experience. And then um, eventually I left the agency because it moved to London and I liked Paris too much. And, um, but, and I opened up my own agency and my first client was Nike. And nice. so for years I was working with Nike, the CEO of Lego, Ericsson, L'Oreal, really big companies. And then of course, as the internet moved sort of front and center, I gradually started shifting uh away from the big, big corporations and working with smaller companies. Um, cause I just enjoy working with sort of the business owners and, um, it was just a lot more creative. So, and a lot more nimble as well, I should say. 
Nice, nice. I, I mean, yeah. that's still amazing to be able to see both sides. And like you said, kind of, as we talked about, and we'll get into this a, a little bit earlier, you have a little bit of pirate in you. So it's nice when you can use that, <laughs> you know, unabridged or, or that limitless creativity in marketing in particular. So, um, I mean, I well, should say that, that yeah. if I could just add one thing, you know, I started off, you know? I grew up in um, Silicon Valley. I grew up um, in that whole, you know, it's a very creative environment out there or at least it used mm -hmm. to be. I'm not sure if it is still. And um, I think that also was a kind of a very formative um, experience for me. And I kind of have brought that with me uh, throughout my career, very much about being, you know, independent and entrepreneurial and creative and cutting edge. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that. I think that's going to be a big theme we're going to talk about here today because it, it's capturing your book. It's it's embodied by you. And I think it's one of the most exciting things about marketing, especially what we get to do in kind of the, the smaller, whether it's e-com, when you're a small business and you're going out there to build a presence, um, you get to be on the cutting edge of creativity. It might not always be technological. You might not have the funds. You might not have some private equity firm giving you gobs of money to control you and build technology, right? But you are able to bootstrap things, be creative and make a difference and a change um, and not limited by people telling you you can't do that, except for maybe Facebook and Google <laughs> and YouTube and stuff like that. But um, but in general, there, there really is a lot more creativity. I think that's exciting because um, innovation comes from those who want to think a little bit differently. Um, and that's a, an amazing thing. Well, with that, though, I think what we want to do is, is jumping to the book. What I really want to kind of step back is just First, talk to me a little bit about the book. So you have this experience where you know you've been doing high level marketing, you moved to online, took those skill sets with storytelling, provocative emotional, you know, metaphors and things like that. We'll jump into that a little bit later. Um, but you know, through that journey and your time of then going to work in small businesses, you decided to write this book. Um, so so walk me through kind of the decision to write Tiny Thunder, what your goal was, what the mission of the book was, um, just just so we could share. So kind of the piece that's missing with all of this, when I moved into the internet, I was trying to figure out because I, <clears throat> I've always done two things. My main skills were in strategic marketing and writing, right? Those two things together. That's what I did when I was at the agency. That's what I did with sort of the big boys that I worked with, the big companies I worked with. So I was trying to figure out how to combine those skills in the internet world. And the best place that I could apply them was in doing email marketing. So what I basically focused on was, you know, doing, working with clients and getting their email marketing set, sorted out both the lead gen and the lead nurturing. And it was in the course of writing thousands and thousands of emails that I came up with the idea of Tiny Thunder because as you know, writing emails can get really monotonous and really boring and really, and I'm like, how, how can I create emails that are really riveting, that really bring people in, um, that aren't just buy this now. So I started, I first started, I remember I started like sending questionnaires to my clients about, you know, life experiences and stuff. And it, it didn't, it worked, but it was, there was, it was a short runway, right? It was sort of like the their brand, their story. There was only so many emails I could write about that. Yeah. So I start, then I started playing around with using third party. I would, I don't even want to call them stories, vignettes or 
little anecdotes mm. um, yeah. and that would illustrate values that the, they, they adhered to or pain points they solved. And that's when Tiny Thunder, the whole concept of Tiny Thunder was born, you know, and, be, and then I started watching how it worked. It really, really works because people were opening up the emails. We were getting much better open rates. We were getting much better click through rates. And it was because we were drawing people in with these little vignettes, mm -hmm. story snacks, I called them. Cause it wasn't story like the snacks. story journey. It wasn't like the hero's journey. Like just that mm -hmm. isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about describing a little scene in a book or a play or a movie or something, you know, maybe even sharing a meme or, you know, a little video that illustrates something, you know, it's like little, little story snacks, little pieces yeah. of what it's like, the way I like to think of it is, you know, I don't know why we all think we have to have this sort of artificial language when we talk to each other in marketing. The whole point of the world that we live in now is that it's much more, um, sort of one-on-one -on -one, we're talking as human beings and just think about how you talk when you have someone over for dinner just, mm -hmm. it's this con sort of stream of consciousness oh did you see this what do you think about that story what do you really think he's going to do that or you know what i mean it's sort of yeah over the course of i mean even before we started this recording we we were talking about a bunch of different stuff that's how human yeah. beings talk and that's yeah. Have you heard of this? Of, there was a story right. the other day, right? It's exactly. like the, the preface of all, all conversations. Yeah. We're all constantly doing that. And so I kind of borrowed that idea. And then I realized that instead of interrupting the co collective conversation, I, we, you could join it with these little stories. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, I love it because we're, we're, it's funny because we've seen like a, a, a hyper kind of shifted that too. When you think of short form content, right? Like when you look at TikTok and reels and YouTube and even YouTube content, yeah. there's a real, there's a real joy that we love about an instantaneous single minded, single focused story that gives us a certain emotional response, a dopamine hit that we then inherently want to follow. We want to follow for more of it, right? Whether it's a swipe up that streams endlessly and gives us um, rectal problems as we sit on the toilet for too long, or <laughs> if it's just an email that catches our attention, shares a story that brings us immediate value that's not complex. So one thing about the hero's journey is it's an emotional arc. We have to carry a range of emotions as it goes through. That takes time. That takes skill. It takes a lot of work and effort. Um, and I'm not saying short form doesn't, but it also takes a lot of investment from the reader, the listener, the watcher, wherever it might be. First, if I could just take a quick hit of something that is entertaining, it gives me an emotional response, and it's over before I have to commit too much time and too much attention to it. Um, you know, we've seen that it, people crave it. We love it. It seem, seems to be the the form of content we enjoy the most, whether it's Pete Davidson making songs about how Netflix needs to have more 90 minute movies, um, or it's the <laughs> fact that, you know, short form is the king um, of content right now. I think what you're talking about is we see it everywhere in the world right now. So you're a hundred percent spot on. Um, so yeah, it's amazing. And tiny thunder sets a really nice stage for it. And I'd love to kind of go into that and talk a little about maybe why we need this so much right now. And not only with writing those emails, um, some of the things that have changed, and I think human culture, and you were able to see a lot of this for, you know, right on the forefront. So um, 
going back to a little bit and mentioning, you know, when you were growing up and kind of that creative thing, walk me through a little bit about what you saw and some of the changes um, in, you know, starting from Silicon Valley, but also how that changed consumer behavior from what you started with marketing with to what you're doing now with these stories. So I think that there was this, I mean, the whole San Francisco Bay Area has always sort of attracted, you know, from the, there was the 60s flower power, whatever they called it. And yeah, it yeah. Some sort of dream that like, yeah, there was a dream of a better world. Right. And I interestingly, whilst it doesn't seem like it's related to what I'm talking about, I think that 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 sort of dream carried over into the Silicon Valley. This idea that we wouldn't have any more hierarchies, the idea that we would, you know, be all connected through this wonderful thing called the internet. Um, and people could, you know, you look at some of these, these early ads that Steve Jobs did, this whole idea of self-expression, that these were going to be mm -hmm. tools that we could become the best versions of ourselves, all of that, which um, never happened, to be honest with you. I mean, parts no. <laughs> of it happened, but but that that dream, it, I think I think you can is fair. It's fair to say that it's in tatters, right? And yeah, um, considering the well, way people behave right now, I don't know if more <laughs> internet has been good for us. So yeah, no, I th I think that 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 dream that they had of you know sort of an egalitarian, self-expressive world pieces of it have happened but a lot of it hasn't happened mm -hmm. and um and i you know i think there are a lot of different reasons for that but i think that um i th i really think that what happened is there was just too much emphasis on how much money was going to be made through these new technologies and i also think that there's that we have been led by technology right rather than leading it and I think, and I feel that, I actually feel that more and more. And I think that um, it's not, um, you know, it's like, I think in the book, one of the things that I say, I think it was a quote, it was a quote from uh, Ariana Huffington, if I'm not mistaken, of like, you know, the, the, the medium isn't the message. The message is the message. It's not you know, it's not the technology that should be leading, it's the humanity that should be leading us um, forward. And I feel like we've lost that a bit and that we've forgotten that, um, you know, whilst the world is digital, human beings aren't. Human yeah. beings think in, in three dimensions and they're storytellers and they're analog. I know that's mm -hmm. sort of like a dirty word, but that's what we are. And that and there's nothing wrong. They can cohabitate together. There's technology is beautiful. It's amazing. I mean, I would yeah. not be living in the French countryside, having this unbelievable life without technology. I'm extremely mm -hmm. thankful for it, but I feel that we've lost a bit of the humanity in the communications. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, when I tell a story in the book about, there was a guy that I spoke to who was based in Denver and, he was so proud of his media stack and he listed all the things that he had. And I said, I'd love to get on your list. I would love to, um, you know, find out more about what you're doing. And, you know, I signed up when we were on the call together and everything. And I am still waiting for the first email. Oh my gosh. 
Right? So in <laughs> Not other even words, communicating at all. So in other words, the media stack was there, but the 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 the, the message the messaging and the communications that are spoke or it, it's the the media stack is a vehicle for the messaging. It's not yeah. something just it's, it doesn't have um, a purpose in and of itself. It has a purpose to for us to you know talk to each other and for us to you know yeah. share things and to sell things and all of that, right? Yeah, no, no. I, I think it's uh, honestly it's it's one of those things we see. When, and I love when you talk about it in the book where there you know there's this great inspiration that. You know, Steve Jobs just come in with, it, like you said, his free expression is the idea that we have all these sources in the way telling us what we should do, what is entertainment, what is art, right? And the internet allowed an opportunity for that to those barriers to go down. They're, they're, right. The barriers to entry of creation were were being, um, you know, lowered, and that was really dismantled, exciting. right? Yeah, yeah, really, really exciting. Um, and there, there was that period. I think uh, I was listening to a podcast that talked about this one time. They talked about the the speed of the internet and the times when it was pure. And they used one of the first shows that had a really large following um, around conversations with the internet, and it was um, X Files. So one of the first biggest forums was the TV show X Files, and you could actually somebody like captured this and like kept a lot of the stuff, and you could see the way we talked when we had this open communication. We had free expression, and for the first time, people from across the globe were connecting on a unified show, something they all were experiencing in different parts, and having these like great, uplifting, totally open conversations. Cut to like six months down the road trolls already entered right and now it went from like this free beautiful expression that unites people to just insecure ways to break people down so um similar to what we saw in silicon valley where there's this great expression and then money came in and everything and the came money about came in and then it, and revenue. yeah and the problem is what happened then was it then it became like how do we grow and how do we grow really fast and the way mm -hmm. we grow really fast is to create addictive platforms that people like, you know, it used to be, you know, you think you were really growing fast. You had 10,000, but you know, like all, you know, in six months, six months, you could have 10 million. It was, it was the whole, it just, and it was all about making things addictive. And when you look at the numbers, it's frightening. You know, we spent half, yeah. literally half our waking hours minimally using you know, our phones, our tech, you know, the social media platforms, and we are all addicted. We, I mean, mm -hmm. I know I am. I went, because I kind of live in, a, you know, sometimes the electricity goes out. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? I have no internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, how do I Google how like... to light a candle? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's a really, um, so, you know, you know, here we are in this, in, in, and what has happened is how we process data has fundamentally changed because the sheer weight of what is coming into our worlds every day is almost impossible to, to, to digest, right? Mm -hmm. So the, and the point of all of this is it's becoming harder and harder to get people's attention, and it's mm -hmm. also getting the other thing that happens with the duality. You've got the attention issue, which everyone has to deal with, but you also have the problem of trust because, yep. you know, we have everyone in the world can be a marketer. Every, everyone, anyone can open up a, a company today 
and say mm-hmm. whatever they want and say that they're an expert in whatever they do. And you know what happens is a lot of almost every single person I know, I mean, I should say not every single person I know has been scammed in some way or another. And guess what mm-hmm. happens when people start doing that, we lose trust. And it's mm-hmm. the problem is that we don't just lose trust to that one person that scammed us. We lose trust in general. And yeah, we're, to we, everyone. And, and, and so, you know, I always, I've said this for a long time. I think trust is the currency. It is the most precious and fragile currency out there and mm-hmm. and part of the way to get it back is to communicate better with each other definitely no you're, you're it's it, you hit the nail on the head and i think uh um actually probably probably somebody that you worked with in the past uh really talked a lot about this in this book is i think oftentimes one of the things we've looked at with this money is people and traffic became number oriented. It became logic oriented. So with enough data and information, and I would just say information, we started shifting and thinking that humans are now beings of pure logic. We use logic to sell them. We use logic to feed them ads. We use logic to, you know, funnel hack and all this stuff, forgetting that humans might strive to be logical, but you've never met somebody that's purely logical. Everyone is is fed by emotions. And so we go back to this, this idea of trust. And it's funny because I think logic without trust or emotion, if we're not supporting some emotional need, there is no trust. And so we talk about people that don't trust things mm. and their algorithm fed all these things. I think one of the things that that is key when you say they don't trust anything, they don't trust anything. We do not live in a world where people have unified sources of truth. There's generalized sources of truth that you go to, which is not the same as you probably remember back in the you know 80s and 90s. You know, realistically, even before cable news, like that was your source of truth. It was your local paper. It was what you saw on the nightly news. And for those that were more intense, you know, yeah. You still have that here. With, <clears throat> even though I'm American, I live in, I've lived in France now most of my adult life, and they have news at eight o'clock. Everyone in France watches it. That's like the olden days. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> in the U, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like weird, right? So yeah, it, it's it, and I feel like no, and we all live in our you know self created echo chambers. And our, you know, and I, and I think that um, the, so, but I, I do, I'm actually, and it's, I don't want to be too pessimistic because I actually think there are ways out of it. I think there are ways, yeah. you know, I think there are ways of um, um, creating our messaging in a way that's actually brings back the humanity. I think I really yeah. believe that, which is why I wrote the book. Yeah. And I, it's funny, I was just going to transition there because I think where we have this period where no one trusts anything and, and we, they're being attacked through logic and algorithms and ones and zeros, it presents a massive opportunity, a huge yes. opportunity to build trust and relationships and become sources of truth for people. Now, you could do that in a bad way, which I don't encourage anyone else to do, but I think we could do it in a really good way where we could become sources of truth that make lives better and make people better and make humanity better as a whole because we have this opportunity that when no one trusts anything, they're looking for something to trust. And you could do that, but like you said, there's a special way to do that. And that's really what I'm focus, Tiny Thunder focuses on. I don't want to focus the rest of this podcast on. In fact, 
um, right before you kind of get into it. And I like I, I, I didn't get to read the whole book yet um, because I'm really bad at reading anything sitting down. But this this is uh, yeah, one that I'll I got much further than I had a long time. Version. You can listen. Yeah, to well, <laughs> it's funny because I was I was uh, re redoing some audio this morning to like skim through and remind myself some stuff of what I had read. But there was one section that was really good. It's in it, it's you talk about the way forward. This is kind of the the mission statement that I'm assuming the rest of the book really goes more in depth on. And I'd love to kind of go through it right now. You already talked about sure. we need to lead technology, not be led by it. Um, but one of the other things that we'll just kind of go through the list and discuss it and then move on uh, more in depth from there. But um, think in circles, not squares. Talk a little bit about what you mean about, hey, you want to break away. You want to start connecting. So first, you know, we, we start leading technology, not letting it lead us. Right. Um, the next piece is think in circles, not squares. So expand on that a little bit. Well, again, it comes back to the whole concept of what human beings gravitate towards. We don't, we're not, you know, I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the line, people have made this decision that logic was good and emotions were bad, right? And yeah. it's just, I don't know what where that came from, but, you know, I don't, I think, I don't think you, I think, I think you need both. And I think you mm -hmm. need both. Also, it's the way I, I construct Tiny Thunder, it definitely has both in it. But I don't know why logic rules. I don't know why squares rule. I don't know why straight lines rule. Because when you think about some of the most delicious moments of your life, they tend to be, you know, stories and memories and textured. And they're circles. They're not squares. They're mm -hmm. not... Um, and I, and I, uh, you know, <clears throat> I know that the people who are listening to this are direct response people and the, you know, there, and I know that a lot of direct response methods, which I use by the way, <laughs> are linear. Um, but I feel like why not take some of those linear approaches and, and package them in, um, in a in a wonderful packaging that is a bit more circular and a bit speaks a little bit more to uh the human sensitivities and emotions that everyone you know there's a reason people watch all the movies they watch there's a reason mm -hmm. you know there's a reason people listen to podcasts because mm -hmm. they're they're like mini stories people are interested in those it's, yeah. you know, they're conversations, right? And conversations. Con I, well, yeah, I, that's a really good, yeah. th that's the circle is the conversation conversation mm. and the conversation is the circle. That is what, yeah. and that is what, um, I think that's, what's missing. We're like kind mm -hmm. of commanding people to do things and to buy this and to do that. Why not? And why not preface that with a little vignette or a little anecdote? You're going to yeah. remember it so much better. Yeah. Well, and I love one of the things that, and we'll talk more about this too, but when we get that like square mindset, it's like, it also is a square mindset, even if we're trying to write a story, we focus on the form, we focus on the structure and where that's important. Don't get me wrong. It's an effective form of communication, but we lose sight of the part that matters the most. And we start our copy and we look at our funnels and they have the numbers, they have the logic We've done all the nudge behavior, but it just doesn't convert enough. We can't get it to go really well, and we're pulling our hair out, looking at what everyone else is doing and saying, but I did everything. I did the logical steps that should lead me there, and we forgot 
the circle of emotion. It's funny you mentioned circles too. I was thinking, have you ever seen somebody have a deep conversation, like a group of people in a square? No, right? No. Whenever we congregate to have a conversation, it's, it's always circular. So it's it's once again, like if you want to have a conversation, you better start with a circle of emotion. Um, but the last thing I was going to say on this, just to make a point is, I love that you said that these vignettes, well, the emotion is there. They don't have to be connected to the offer. It's not directly tied, which I think is a really, really powerful thing to think that. They are Emotion tied. doesn't have any. They, they are tied. That's the whole but point. Not, they're they're yeah. tied in the sense that, that the less tied they are, the better. They are tied in the sense that the story has a purpose. It demonstrates a value. It demonstrates mm -hmm. a pain point. It demonstrates a challenge people have or, or a benefit. So it is linked, but the less it's, it's not, if you're talking about razors, we're not going to tell a story about razor blades, right? Yep. We're not you with me. So the less, the less related the story is, the more surprising it's like telling a joke. It's like, Oh, that's why she told that story is because it illustrates X. But they're like at the beginning, they're kind of confused. It's like, why is she talking about that? And yeah. that, but that it kind of, it's, it, what is interesting about it is that the, it's not just writing. There's a participation. There's an interactivity mm -hmm. between the person that's writing the the that tiny thunder and the person that's getting what they're, what the tiny thunder writer is trying to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's great because what you just said to a lot of people sounds completely illogical, but you know, because you've been doing it for a long time, it works incredibly well. And so um, I think there's a lot more that we could build off that and, and talk about, it, but it kind of leads to the next thing um, that you said in the book is something you have to change, which is you have to give attention to get attention, which I really love this section as I'm trying to pull it up. But um, I, I think that really fits in what you're talking about that so often we focus on the conversation we want to have. And like you said, we force that conversation, right? I might still tell a story. I might use like something that's maybe interesting, but it's all very self-serving and getting a conversation across versus giving them attention, giving them value through a story. So at least that's what I pulled out of it. But I'd love to hear kind of ex you expand more on this concept of give attention to get attention. Well, um, I'll borrow some words from Seth Godin because he talks a lot about generosity, and I love that concept, which is that um, marketing should be more generous, I think is the best way to describe it. It's about, it's about um, actually really seeing the other person, actually, um, you know, understanding that it's like in any conversation, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one sales calls because for some of my high ticket products and I never sell, I get on and I'm like, tell me about your business. Tell me everything. Tell me what's bothering you. Tell me what's missing. What, tell me what's working. And there's not enough of that of like, tell mm -hmm. like kind of leaning in and saying, I want to hear from you, you know? And I feel like that, um, when you give that, it's like the selling is just so easy. That's mm -hmm. the thing. People don't get that. It's like, so, <clears throat> so how do you get that then through, through stories and email? Like, I think that's one where a lot of people kind of get hung up on is how can I give attention to somebody through a medium that I can't be in front of them? I can't stare at them. I can't ask them those questions, but I need to yeah. give them attention somehow. 
But I think, I mean, I think that comes into understanding who your prospect is and that what you're talking about is something that actually resonates with them. Um, Mm. The problem is if you look at your inbox, it's a mess, right? There's just like, you know, you could literally take out the name of a product and put it into another product and it's the exact same email, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like so copy of this and it doesn't feel like... It's rare that I read an email that I feel like someone's actually seeing me and actually understanding what I'm grappling with. And, you know, the reality is most of us are grappling with the same things. You know, we're trying to figure out balance in our life. We're trying to figure out what it is that, you know, the, how do we prioritize things? um, How we spend time with the people that we love, all that kind of thing. Um, And I, you know, and I, and, and, and also how I think a a big pain point for people is they don't feel seen. They feel invisible. They don't feel like their Mm -hmm. efforts are, um, yeah, there's just, you know, and I think there's a lot of commonalities, but I don't think that I don't see those talked about as much as, as they could be. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I want to, I want to build on that because I think that that is really interesting. There's you're right. Like most target demographics, and I think I, I talk a lot about this um, with people is, is you really want to be, you want to find the people that are problem oriented, meaning that they know the pain that they have. They're carrying around with them every single day, but they're not aware of solutions. Um, they just know what they're feeling and they're waiting for somebody to acknowledge this feeling and then resonate with that. So it's almost like from, from your perspective is by writing the story that's detached from it, it's, it's detached from product, but it's very connected to a feeling an emotion that you want to make your audience feel seen when they could read that story, they could feel a connection with somebody on the other end and the connection with that emotion. That's the attention they need. They have value in feeling connected. They also have value in having an interesting story to share with others and share that emotion um, that they had from it and feel connected. And I think that's a, that's a very real thing. And I know I, I, I do this all the time when I watch like TV or I read an article or I read a book that invokes some, emotional response that I feel like connects with me deeply. The next thing I want to do is you want to share it. it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about it. I want to use it to connect with others. The actual telling Mm -hmm. of the story is generosity because you're saying, Hey, look at this. This is, you know, this is something that moved me and I think it might move you too. You're not saying that, but that's what you are saying by sharing the story. The way I, I guess I've already brought this up, but I want to repeat it because the way I like to think of this method is it's just think about having a dinner party or going to have coffee with someone or having a drink with someone. How do you talk in those situations? That's what it's trying to replicate. And once mm-hmm. you bond with people over that cup of coffee or that glass of wine or whatever it is, or hanging out, watching whatever, I feel like then when you ask them to do something, they're much more open to it, right? That's yeah. what you're no, trying totally. to recreate, huh? Because you create that emotional equity, right? You've given them yeah, something. That's right. To feel connected, to feel seen. Exactly. Um, to feel, because I think there is value in the spotlight of being able to not feel alone, right? In a moment of self-reflection, if somebody gives that to us, um, you know, I actually have a real affinity for Esther Perel, who's an amazing content creator and, you know, counselor and therapist. And and one of the reasons I have such a connection to her and talk about her and think about it is because there's a very 
hard time in my life and I listened to her podcast and there were insights that directly helped me improve my life. And it made me feel connected in a moment. I felt really lost when I listened to her words. And because of that, like I will be loyal to some aspect to Esther Perel for the rest <laughs> of my life. Like always, because that one moment of content that. and some yeah. story that, that highlighted that. So I, I think just going back to that point, when you're, when you're thinking about constructing these stories, when you're thinking about engaging with your audience, um, when you think about that engagement, think about through that spotlight, giving them that attention of self sometimes, self-reflection and feeling connected is immensely valuable and immensely valuable in building trust. So when we have the sales conversation, it, it's, it's just like going to carry so much more weight. Yeah. Right. And it's also yeah. natural. It's just like, just think about a friend that you know, and you've spent time with and he asks you or she asks you to do something. You're like, okay, no problem. That sounds yeah. great. Why not? Yeah, because right? emotional equity. Yeah. And then the great thing is we'll ask less and we just want to reciprocate more. So well, with, with that, let's move into kind of the next um, kind of creative you talked about here, which was join the conversation, stop interrupting it. So I think this is really interesting, too, because, again, we, we tend to use logic to get in the way because we have a form, we have a message, we have a conversion that we need to get to. So um, talk a little bit more about what, what you're hoping for, what people need to change in this to start adjusting their marketing. Well, I feel like um, a lot of sort of the 20th century marketing formulas are still being used and they don't work. I, you know, the, which is basically, Hey, I'm, I, I need, I have something I need, I have a message. I need to tell you something. It's mm -hmm. like, no. And like, people are like, no, you know, yeah. There's a reason that like 55% of the people have ad blockers. There's a reason people don't want to hear that. The people that have zero tolerance for, um, you know, people being too um, self-serving and marketing on, on social media, people get really tired of that really, really fast. And it's mm -hmm. because, and I, so I feel like, um, there again it goes back to this idea of you know generosity and like if you join in the conversation and then invite someone to do something that's a whole other that's feels much that there's a much different energy to that than mm -hmm. you know screaming on the top of your lungs about how great you are and why they need to buy your whatever it is mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of like simon sinek in his um you know golden circle where he talked about with like apple Right. It's like, hey, we're here for people that believe uh, they're creative, they're innovators. They want to be different and lead a world of change. Oh, and by the way, if you believe that, we also sell computers if, if you'd right. like to check that out. You know, we have some laptops and some right. phones over here. But really, we want this, right? It's that, that identification of a very pure thing emotionally that I can connect with. And then, oh, by the way, we sell some stuff if you'd like to also look at that. Um, now, it doesn't have to be that passive, but I really like what you're, what you're saying there is oftentimes, and we see this in marketing all the time, some of the most effective marketing never looks like marketing. The more the consumer doesn't realize right. they're being sold that's, to, the longer you can delay right. that, the more effective it's going to be because the messaging does not, you know, our, our distrust doesn't start rising up. And oftentimes, this is where I think... You see this really commonly in people that aren't getting creative. Um, they start just swiping and taking the same tactics that other people are doing until it erodes and all the trust is gone, right? You, you haven't done anything to innovate. You've just taken um, from others um, and quickly eroding the trust because they see the same tactic 
over and over and over again. That's exactly um, right. And but yeah. I think that going on your Apple example, you know, people might hear that and think, oh my God, I can't do that. I don't have the budget of Apple. Right. But mm -hmm. I, what is interesting is your choice of stories will be a magnet to the people that you want to attract. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I feel like there's a way of choosing your stories that will allow you to um, be a magnet and not say, this is my philosophy. You don't have to say that, but you know, I mean, like I tell stories about my life here in France and people, there are people who love that, right. Mm -hmm. Who love that, that sort of authentic country lifestyle and all of that. And then there are some people that wouldn't be interested in that. It's also a way of weeding out your mm -hmm. audience, right? Yeah, seg segmenting the audience a little bit more based on those that have a mission, which I think one of the things, and we've been talking a lot about this, and this is kind of continuing to fit a theme of one of the big trends that we're seeing in this world of so, because over the pandemic, we have seen the amount of businesses shift to online has been rapid, right? It's been significant from large companies that have shifted their TV ad budgets heavily into online advertising, um, but also the amount of businesses that started. Um, and what that's really created is this highly competitive atmosphere where everyone's doing the same thing and we're just blitzed with stuff all the time and all these tactics and we're losing sight of just having conversation and creating a brand, right? Everything's very aggressive to buy, 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 buy. But there's not stuff that's out there that's really building more of like a, direct response, attention getting and conversion tactics, but bringing in a brand and a mission. And that mission doesn't have to be super large. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. And you don't have to say it could just be, Hey, people that are like this, we're going to have a conversation for you here. And Oh, by the way, we also have these products, right? But if you just want to be the place for 45 year old women that love TLC to watch and talk about recipes and whatever, there's value in that. That is a mission. Yeah. It's connection. It's the purity of what the internet was supposed to be and still can be. And it could be very profitable if you focus on that emotion piece first. So um, going on to that, we'll actually go finish with the last one. I think this is really, really good because that, that idea really does predicate around it doesn't have to be like all content. You don't have to be a content producer, but you need to have a content mindset as we get to, because uh, we will kind of finish talking about how do you start writing some of these stories. But the last thing you talk about is entertain with fresh originality, which I just loved, but I also know sometimes that's really challenging. And what it made me think of when I was reading that section was um, Louis CK actually came out and I know he's a controversial comedian, but he said something, don't focus on the human, just what he said about how he's really worried about algorithms, YouTube, and what it will do to comedy. Because ultimately, the algorithm will feed the same content over and over and over again. Things do not become fresh. And he was challenging that in terms of comedy, you're only going to create comedy that the algorithm says that people want, not what people actually want. We're not willing to step outside of the square of an algorithm. And instead we find ourselves in it, which capture, which eliminates the ability that we will ever go viral. It eliminates the ability that we'll ever create something that's unique. We'll only ever be echoes of what somebody else or a machine is telling us that we all want. So um, that's, I, that, that's what this made me think of when I was like reading that and like, Oh my gosh, like this is really interesting. So I'd love to hear kind of where, where that came from, where you're seeing that. Well, I think this kind of dovetails into like how to actually create Tiny Thunder, which is actually really easy, by the way, and really cool. fun. That's a perfect transition, right? <laughs> it's actually fun. That's the thing. So basically, um, 
the runway for tiny thunder stories is infinite is the only way I can say. Okay. And let me, let me just explain to you sort of theoretically how it works and then maybe give you a couple of examples. So, so it's a three-step process. The first step is figuring out what it is that you want to communicate. Do you want to talk about a challenge people need to overcome or a benefit that you provide or a process that you have perfected? Just You have to figure that out first. That's the first piece. The second piece sort of that goes along with that is that you you need to, this is the harder piece, is mm-hmm. you need to find either a story or a little um, chapter or a song lyric or a video you saw that actually illustrates that. Let me, let, a couple days ago I was on LinkedIn and someone had mm-hmm. put a video of a, <laughs> of a truck that was like on a, you know, like a real steep cliff and it was trying to turn around. It was like a tiny little road and it was trying to turn oh. around and you're like, and you have, you're going Those like, Those videos this way, stress me out. My palms are getting sweaty <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. And basically it was a metaphoric story. It was, I don't know if it was a he or she, I can't, I don't know who posted it, but he's like, they said, um, you know, it's never too late to turn your life around. Right. Hmm. I will never yeah. forget that image. But, you know, that image could be used for it's never too late to turn your business around or your relationship around. Or it might feel a bit scary, but this is how you can do it, right? That mm-hmm. would be a perfect example of a metaphoric story. So they're everywhere. But the first thing is figuring out what it is that you want to communicate, finding stories that are literally like we're raining stories or story snacks, <laughs> and then and then the f- the final step is to kind of gently um explain why it is that like so for that example she in one sentence she explained she was like showing you that you can always turn around there's always mm-hmm. a way of turning around that you can always make a u-turn in life she could have just said that but that image of that car going like off that cliff <laughs> you'll never forget her what her message yeah. right and yeah then, i mean it's it's so interesting because you could transition that to so many different ways so that's and, the thing yeah. most of these stories can be used for millions of different um you know industries and products and you know because and you don't think people will um people are not going to forget that message if you put that in an email and all you have to do is write a sentence saying it's not too late to turn around your whatever X, mm-hmm. you know, your weight, your yeah. If it was if it was a February email, it's not too late. Like it's not too late to turn around your news resolutions and get that body that you're yeah, hoping or for your, by summertime, ex- right? Yeah, your body. It doesn't, you know, that and it's brilliant and it's easy and it's powerful. And then all you do is you invite them into the next step, either mm-hmm. watching a video, buying a product. And that's all that Tiny Thunder is. Um, and But the hard part is, you know, the whole point of a metaphoric story is the story gives you the emotions, but the metaphor gives you a comparison that you don't expect. It's all mm-hmm. about comparing two things that you don't expect to have them being compared. And that's mm. what makes it interesting. And that's what makes it memorable 
to the pe- the people who are who are either watching it or reading it or you know I mean I talk about email because that's what I do but you can use these for social media you can use them in sales presentations Facebook ads can, I imagine be really effective yeah Facebook ads it's you know um I don't know if do you know James Shramko he's a consultant in Australia and he's like he's like you can know. use this in all messages on all platforms it's like you can use it everywhere. I've had people who are like trying to get voter turnout reach out to me, you know, nonprofit mm. organizations that, so it's not only for marketing, you know, sort of classic, you know, marketing companies either. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a really um, easy way to make your messaging, you know, rev up your messaging. So it's much, much more powerful, much more memorable and much more, trust um building yeah yeah relational trust building because you you get something that immediately makes you feel good but doesn't feel like selling directly um so going back to just say something about the relationship building if sorry to interrupt you but you bet you know you were talking about the number oriented way you know way we're talking about logic and straight linear lines and the numbers you know and someone enters here and they leave the funnel you know, and they're, you know, they're the average value, blah, blah, blah. So what people forget is there is a, something that you can't quantify and that's the relationship building. Mm -hmm. Because if you forget that altogether, you might do a really good job on one funnel, but I'm not sure it's going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. And then you're left to do a new brand and start the process all over again. Then you have to so, start all but, over again with a new new group of flesh and then you have to keep starting. But wouldn't it be easier just to have, build the relationship and have them hang around more longer? No, definitely. Definitely. And and the LTV goes up and, and now your business Absolutely. doesn't become near, nearly a slave to acquisition. Because if you become slave to acquisition – it's very, very challenging. The ebbs and flows of your business become a lot more volatile because as you have seen in your years of advertising, acquisition is volatile. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows that changes really, really fast. Um, But loyalty and LTV are much, much more stable if you set your business up right and you have a relationship you build with them. So I'm going back to actually the the example because I just find this really interesting with the voter turnout. Can you recall maybe some examples, some of the stories that that were effective that you utilize for that? Because I do think that I always like hearing stories that are outside marketing that are still using marketing. You know, I'm sorry, but that actually, she read my book. I actually, she did the, she she wasn't a client. She was just a, so I don't actually know what she did. (laughs) All I know is that she wanted to use it on social media to get more um, sort of brand awareness. uh, Because she was having a hard time cutting through. Gotcha. But the, but okay. it, but is it really interesting that you could use it really for pretty much anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it's just an attention. You could use it tactic. as teachers. Teachers yeah. could yeah. use it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I've heard, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists could use it as a way to illustrate things in sessions. Right? It's not, you know, you can use it for your sales team as well. Yeah. 
you know, in, instead of saying, this is my widget and this is what the widget does, why not wrap the widget around, you know, present it as a metaphoric story and, and people will not forget your pitch, mm -hmm. you know? Well, yeah, because selling really is the best selling and marketing is a form of education. And the oldest form of learning that we have on record is through metaphors and parables, which are all stories that we still use today to understand concepts in our life, how to behave, whatever it might be. But parables are, are definitely king, which I think um, one last thing is I know we're getting close on time. I just if this is something we wanted to talk about. We'll be real brief and we'll let people know how they could start either one writing their own stories, but really getting the book, getting in contact with you um, to really change. I think their marketing and prove it in a much better way by using these metaphorical stories. But I think it's one of the big hot topic um, items and conversations that started last year and have continued on this year with, you know, chat GBT and AI. Um, and I think one times, oftentimes you see, well, Hey, could this generate stories, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think one of the things that's missing here in these parables is always requires a level of creativity and human connection to understand humans to humans, particularly when I don't think a lot of people realize, and I know we can get our conspiracy hats on and talk about sentience, but AI tools as they stand right now are nothing but really sophisticated mirrors. And they require somebody to stand in front of it and decide what it will show. But without you know, the, the maestro, um, it's important to remember that at this point, AI is just a mirror and the kind of relationship that you could have with a mirror is really just the relationship you have with yourself. Um, and it's kind of tough to make sure that's going to work all the time. And we still need humans to create human to human connection. So we're a valuable tool. I think this is just another really good example that, um, AI could get us to a point, but a mirror is not going to replace a human at least as it stands right now. So, um, yeah. So, just curious on your thoughts, especially for something that's seen so much marketing for such a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you on feel AI? about this movement of AI? Um, knowing that you know, it's you know, it scared a lot of people. It's also excited a lot of people. Um, and I think there's a, a range of opinions in between. Yeah, I mean, I think it, my guess is it will develop. I mean, I I've never been afraid of AI. I actually think it's kind of interesting. It's, it's very interesting. I think when it comes to, I'm trying, I would love to figure out a way that I could use it in the metaphoric storytelling um, sort of sphere, but I, you know, maybe I'm doing the wrong prompts, but all I get back, the the thing that makes Tiny Thunder work is that there, this is not about bringing up the old metaphors that we've heard 4,000 times. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about using fresh, fun input, little story snacks, little vignettes, little memes, little statistics that illustrate a thought that you have. And I don't see AI, I've tried, I don't see it being able to do that. It'll just come, it'll dredge out the old stuff, but we've already heard that. If you've heard your metaphor before, it's you don't want to use it. You know, that's good advice. Yep. Yep. So, and, and again, I think that's what you highlight is the fact that I think AI is a great tool. It really is. I'm not, I'm not anti AI, but I think it's always important to remember that AI is just a mirror that we speak to and it's going to come back with whatever already existed um, and piecing it together in a way but it that will, it will that save people time. Yeah. It will yeah. save people time. Um, not convinced about the writing level excellency of writing but we'll see if maybe that'll get improved as we you know because yeah, i do yeah. still think one part of the problem 
is that is the quality of writing out there is not super high. Yes, I, I've seen. Um, there's actually a great example on social media with a friend of mine, Josh Rosenberg, that um, he showed an ad that was like one said rated as the number one AI tool, and then in the ad it's misspelled. There's a, a huge typo <laughs> that was obviously written by some sort of bot, right? And so it's just it's just funny again to boast accuracy and not even be able to display it. So, um, 100% <laughs> agree with you there that you know it has a ways ways to go, and I don't know if it'll ever fully replace. Um, humans at all, as much as people might think that it, that it could. Um, so, uh, but yeah, with, with that, I think that the next transition, guys, is I think, uh, you know, we talked a lot about these stories, why they're important, why they've been really valuable for Sue and how they could really transform your business. But you might be thinking, I'd love to see more. I'd love to read the book. So, Sue, if you want to tell people, because I know one thing we didn't mention is you do have a bank of a lot of these stories that you've used. Huge um, bank. And ways that you could be, yeah, a, a ton of them. And and there are ways for people to not only access the book to learn how, but even some of those resources. So why don't you tell people yes. how they can connect with you after they listen to this? So the, probably the best way, I mean, I'll give my email which is sue at suerice.com. Um, if anyone wants just to reach out to me, I'm quite accessible to people. Um, if you want to get the book, you can go to Amazon. You can get it there, um, either Kindle, you know, paperback or audio, but you can also go to suerice.com forward slash book. And you can, um, is that, yeah, sorry, that's wrong. Yep. It's SueRice.com oh. forward slash Tiny Thunder. Uh, there is we'll make also, sure that's in the show also, notes. Don't worry. <laughs> there's also a page on the book which talks about, you can see all the comments that people have made about it, which is why I get mm-hmm. confused. So go to SueRice.com forward slash Tiny Thunder. You can buy the digital download and get it straight away. Uh, you can get the audio and... Um, I'm going to be having workshops and I'm also going to be selling um, the actual stories so that you can use them in your work as well. So I will, I will have all of that. Um, I'll I'll let you know if you get reach out to me, I'll kind of put you on the right path depending on what your needs are. I will say you are a very impressive reader too. getting the audio version and listening to it. It is, you, you do a really great job reading out loud. So I was almost like, is that her or an actress? Like I can't quite tell. No, so, it was me. Uh, but it is you. Great, <laughs> me great in London. Job. By the way, that is something I'm one day I'm going to do a workshop on how to write a book, mm-hmm. which is completely unrelated, but it's actually been, a, it's a fabulous process to cut through. Yeah, I bet. I, I mean, I, gosh, Tucker Max has made quite a career on teaching people how to do that and lots of people um, in those realms. So super, super interesting. Um, super but yeah, again, guys, please, please engage with Sue. There's gonna be great content. The book, um, again, I, I will say I haven't finished it, but what I read so far was amazing. And it might be, it's definitely within the top 1% of just well-written, interesting business book. So like the fact that it reads like fiction, but learns like, um, you know, a, a really high level copyright marketing book. It's like the alchemist meets, um, <laughs> I don't know, a Russell Brunson book or something. It's, it's really, really cool. Someone just wrote me who I don't know to complete stranger. She's like, this is like creative nonfiction. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's really, really interesting. Really, really enjoyed it and really enjoyed this conversation. Um, So until next time, guys, please rate, review, subscribe to the channel. And also for those out there, please reach out to Sue, especially for any of those when she's talking about, hey, maybe I'm not using AI well. If you feel like you're an AI expert, because I know there's some people listening to this podcast, 
They're definitely early in on that wave. Um, messenger, show her all the secrets, and I'm sure she'll reciprocate with some secrets of her own. So <laughs> um, with that, until next time, um, we hope you have a good one and um, just continue to make great marketing magic out there. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.